Hello, and welcome to episode 29 of Virtually Relevant. I'm Eric. This is Josh. This is Kevin. Hey, I'm William. And surprise, surprise, there are new Apple rumors about their uh, upcoming VR and pass-through AR headset. Uh, that Gasp. makes it, I guess, uh, an average Wednesday, right? You uh, don't say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these are a little more specific, uh, which doesn't necessarily make them more illuminating because these... A, who knows if they're correct, and B, even if they are correct, this is for a very specific prototype, which may not resemble what finally comes out. But uh, these were in reference to what they're calling the N301 prototype, uh, and the the biggest takeaway of it is it's really, really light, uh, like a third of a pound versus the Quest 2, which is uh, about a, a pound and a tenth. So that's uh, that's ridiculously light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're they're really saying light. that a good chunk of that is is due to some cleverness with the lenses. Uh, they've got uh, a stack of three per eye uh, that are Fresnels, followed by some additional optics uh, to shorten the distance to the screen. So you get like a a short throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, even so, though they're 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 saying they're like stacking a ridiculous number of cameras in here. the The latest count I've seen is fifteen. Eight of them for the the see-through AR, one for environmental detection, which I don't know quite what that means, and six for innovative biometrics, which I think is uh, code words for eye tracking and maybe facial tracking and lip tracking. Anybody got thoughts on any of that? Environmental Uh, detection is concerning. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For the uh, environmental detection, I'm I'm guessing that's probably just going to be some kind of like LiDAR type system oh that's a, yeah they're, they're that would make a two lot of phones sense. i think have had lidar cameras on them yeah that is a very good point and, you're almost certainly and some right on form that. of of like tracking i mean right you know obviously but one camera for tracking would be horribly you know just not not good well, i'm so assuming that's I'm maybe like but, sensor fusion between that and the eight see-through because i mean yeah they're they're see-through for ar but there's no reason they can't be doing edge detection and inside out position tracking too i wouldn't think yeah that's true it says eight for see-through ar so like i mean i would assume that those are also being used for tracking otherwise you're just what's the point in having eight right eight cameras just to give you a view of of what your eyes can see so right um, I, I agree. That's a lot of stitching to do for that. So I'd guess, yeah, it's more like eight cameras, 360 or you know, 270, whatever. Uh, and then doing that through pass-through. Now, we're thinking they're using their own silicon for this, right? They're, they're rolling their own chip? Is that yeah, the what's rumor? The new, it's, it's the new chip? It's definitely not the XR2 because right. it can't support what they're saying. Sure. No, what's the new chip they just they just rolled out? The, the M1? The, yep. the M1 is what they call it. Do you think they'll build it on that platform? Oh, I'm sure. Or, or yeah, some, some derivative of it. Seems reasonable. Which would definitely give it the, the both the horsepower to pull off some of the stuff that they're talking about and uh, explain part of the, uh, the astronomical price point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not astronomical for like, you know, enterprise or even, you know, high end prosumers, but. You know, the estimates we've seen have been between a grand and three grand, which is, uh, you know, a significantly different market mm. than the the 300 bucks for a Quest 2. 
I mean, that's what the the that's the chip that the new M, the new Mac Minis are built on. So right. they're already working in a smaller form factor. So it would make it would make reasonable sense for them to utilize that same thing without designing an entirely different chip for it. Although could be wrong. It could totally be a whole brand new, you know, AR, VR, XR specific chip. Um, it, yeah, it could be a step between like their A14, which drives yeah. the the iPhone, um, yeah. and the M1, right? Right. Something sort of yeah. in between. Given the, the lead time you need from like tape out to chip production, they may be using the M1 as a stand-in for, for custom silicon that's coming down the line. It's hard to say, though. But I mean, I mean, you see a lot of stuff that's coming through in the rumors that that seems ambitious, uh, which which may just be because you know this is aiming at a, a twenty twenty two or later release date and a high price point. But I mean, I'm I'm seeing things like eight K displays, um, you know, iris scanning for uh, ID and and payment tracking, which. Man, if you had any illusions that you had any degree of privacy before, <laughs> that just blows them away. But, I mean, from a convenience point of view, you know, putting on the headset, it knowing who you are, and then being able to make all the adjustments to, you know, your your height and your preferences and so forth is certainly nice. Could maybe even adjust your IPD, but... Um, yeah. Well, I mean, they have the... Um what is it the new the new samsung phone that's supposed to be like has an 8k camera on it so right. I mean, silicon's out there right now for 8k you know at, at the very minimum 8k recording so right. depending upon when they release this it's not unreasonable to have 8k displays on you know on a headset you know, an interesting thing to do is you know because a lot of that gets hardware accelerated is just be passing through the world at 8K and then actually overlaying graphics at a lower res, like 4K right. or, or something, which would be a more manageable amount for a mobile chipset. Well, and with many LED displays, micro OLED displays and things like that, I think you can also use lower resolution assets, but because of the, the density of pixels on the screen, it, it performs a, a lot higher resolution too. Although I have we an interesting have uh, we heard any rumors about the types of screens that are going into these? Uh, I don't. I haven't I, heard anything. I don't recall other than resolutions. Like people have said, it's going to be at least two K per eye, um, right? If not higher. But you know, I I'd be really interested to know. Like I I would just flat out say, don't expect this to be like in the next couple quarters. Like. Yeah, yeah, chip production globally for existing products is in a bad way. Like, if you've right. tried to f buy a video card for yourself or anybody for any reason in the last six months, you you've had a bad time. Most recently, yeah. it's even worse, right? So, uh, I'd be interested to see uh, what what their time to market really looks like, because um, I definitely don't think it's going to be anytime probably not anytime this year right yeah i don't think i've heard anyone seriously putting forward this year as a, a release time frame 2022 is is what i'm hearing but it's always partnered with the words or later <laughs> so um I'm, I'm assuming there may be technical problems they haven't solved yet so it's going to be uh however long it takes to solve certain problems plus however long it takes to get to production and, and so forth 
But they definitely have to catch up to market share, Matt, because everything else that's standalone pretty much is uh, Android-based. Apple has always managed to get away with, I mean, with its own ecosystem and so on. There's just so many diehard Apple fans that will put up with some temporary inconvenience until things catch up. But I suspect they'll be fine. They put up with buying a, uh, what, Galaxy S6 for, you know, three years after it released in the form of a iPhone 9 or 10 (laughs) or whatever it is. Yeah, Apple's only problem is going to be how fast they can make them. Yeah, no, I have long since given up on saying that costs too much or is too niche. No, Apple. I reiterate our previous question: Will it come with a charger? (laughs) Well, Samsung's not coming charged at at only three thousand dollars, William. I mean, I mean, something's got to give somewhere. They got to like throw something out of the box to make it. We got to keep it down. Yeah. Hey, they're going green. Okay. That's right. That's right. By selling uh, you an additional charger for seventy dollars. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> In more packaging. Yes. Obviously, the green choice. Uh, moving out of the highly hypothetical Apple ecosystem, um, Valve, which is you know was certainly one of the big big hitters for a while, and then sort of vanished down into the Cosmoverse. Uh, they they filed some patents a bit ago that have now gone public. Josh, do you want to talk about those? Yeah, so just skimming through the details that there are out there, you can access these uh, published patents out on the, the web today. Um, that looks like they've they've detailed three different types of uh, headsets, head like designs for headsets. Interesting, uh, one of the things that stood out to me was... Uh, they they seem to be tweaking, you know, kind of an index style index two um, headset, but the other ones uh, remind me that um, that Valve is is very seasoned in this arena, right? But they're also looking to kind of um, break molds in in interesting ways. So one of the other headlines that Valve has been in. Recently, has been their um, talks with OpenBCI and Toby for like VR brain computer interface kind of stuff. So what what it seems to me these patents are are like them jumping ahead and saying, "Look, we might want to make these headsets that are you know we, we're we're probably going to make an index two, we're probably going to make some kind of a standalone headset, but we're also probably going to make something that." Um, it's going to be a little bit more advanced and might have room or space for some kind of brain computer interface where they're they're putting sensors on your scalp or at least near near field technology that can help deduce brain activity and try to interface directly with the computer link so it's, it's pretty interesting stuff there's a lot of jargon to read through a lot of um, details and and uh, uh, just patent tech you know bat, or sorry patent wording um well interesting figures if you want to look at some of their design um ideas but remember patents don't necessarily mean the end-all be-all for production design that they're just kind of a, a proof positive of where they're intending to go where they're heading so if you're wanting to kind of read the tea leaves it's a, it's a good resource but i wouldn't look at it as kind of a an actual goalpost of where it's going to end up Right. That's always a danger with patents. So many of these things are just locking down 
you know, potential intellectual property so that yeah you know, it's it, like licking the the stuff on the plate so that you you've claimed it and no one else can take it. <laughs> right like yeah, it says we it, see our first apple patents like two years ago three yeah. years ago yeah well and it, you know their patent says like it could be either wired or wireless technology like it's just like it's just there to say we may do this technology in some way, but we're trying to make it so that we can't be patent trolled when we do come out with it. Yeah. The, I mean, the do, that... do you remember that, what was it, the iPhone's patent was so vague that it didn't even get held up in court because oh, it was so... Yeah, there was the patent wars going on with the iPhone and, and, and everything like that. And one of the patents filed for, the I believe, the original iPhone. Somebody can go back and look this up. But it was so vague that they couldn't even hold it up because it was a rectangular phone with a touch screen and a microprocessor inside <laughs> with cellular connectivity like it was the basically the description of every iPhone or every phone over the last decade and it was uh Apple was suing Samsung and Samsung was suing Apple and and all of these things, these patent wars they were having over the fact that, you know, these companies will go out and they'll create a, they'll get a patent for something, whatever they can get, wherever they can get it, for the most broad thing so that they can cover their butts. And then whenever somebody comes out and does the exact thing that either they were working on or something similar, they go, no, 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 we have the patent for this. And Apple's particularly bad about this right. uh, historically. So, Looking at the the designs in the patents, the thing that I find most striking or, or most interesting is it looks like they're throwing a lot of hardware back at the base of the skull yes. to, to counterbalance the, the front heaviness, which is crazy smart and was actually, if you look back at the original designs and the original prototypes for the Quest, um, that's what they did was they threw the processor and so on back there for yeah. heat dissipation and for weight distribution and so forth. I'm not positive why they ran away from that. Uh, maybe it's because it'd be prone to breakage or it's more complex for manufacturing, but it's a really good idea for a lot of reasons. Yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm excited to see them going that direction. I'm going to go with, I'm 99% certain it's a manufacturing hurdle. Yeah, probably. Um, but if, if they could put it back there, that means we can put cameras back there too. And That's very, very true. That solves a big blind spot in position tracking and hand tracking so do you, do you guys think we may be better off rather than the sort of like soft strap over the top of the head and, and the extendable straps more rigid straps on the sides do you think we'd be better off with something that's more rigid over the top just kind of clamshells down over the top of your face like physical implants well no <laughs> more I, like I wanna... uh you know more like just sort of like this uh spider leg thing that just kind of you know, you put the front. It in, walks in the up back your and back. It kind of like, yes, it just <laughs> opens up, crawls over the front of your face, yeah. covers your eyes. No, uh, you how go. do I pre-order? You know, rather I'm rather ready. than worrying, I'm ready about you. You ready for it? Rather than worrying about you know a design that's because because the biggest problem is those straps on the sides, right? Yeah. Um, you're you're trying to pass you know data cables or things like that through there, and it just becomes a problem. So if they, you know, if they go over the top, maybe that's a little bit more, a little bit more sturdy. Uh, less people have issues with the strap over the top, 
like the you know historically the go was the one where they tried to oh we're gonna eliminate the top strap and then it was basically awful without it to <laughs> counterbalance so i i would real at least until we get really 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 high quality pass through i want a frame rigid enough that i can flip the headset up so that i can toggle between looking at the 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 keyboard and computer in the world. I mean, I say this as somebody who spends eight to 12 hours a day with a headset sitting on top of my head programming. So, I mean, I don't know the ability to like flip it up and flip it down is awfully appealing to me. And other than like some imagine prototypes and who else was it that did a prototype like that? Panasonic. I haven't seen anything that's come to market that way for VR or AR. Like anything specific for for VR, I mean, ideally, yeah. like enough of a solid frame that I could flip it up. But I think right now the 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 weight ratios aren't forgiving about that. Right. Well, WMR. The, the, the PSVR flips up, doesn't it? Does it? Oh, that's okay. That'd be no, the, the one headset PSVR I don't does own. Does not flip so. up. Does not. It it um it just scoots out much the same way that the S does. Or the Rift S, I should say. It doesn't actually flip up and out of the way. Oh, okay. What is the one that does? I, I am remembering okay. one that does it, kind of flip it, up. It more like slides into... Yeah, it just slides. It's on the Halo and it slides out. The The Rift S basically just straight copied the PSVR's uh, like head attachment and headset adjustment model mm-hmm. right? Um, and did it better. So. I, I don't know, Will. I think we've strayed a little too far from your brilliant idea of starting a GoFundMe for the world's first face hugger VR headset. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it that actually looks perfect. like a real face hugger, I would like wear it everywhere. <laughs> right. Just like you stick it on, and then the tail wraps around, curls around the the you know the cradle of your head in the back, and that's your counterbalance. Yep. There you go. And built-in cable management. I mean, you can't go wrong. You know, I've got like a really solid uh, alien face hugger mask for, you know, COVID. Uh, very three-dimensional, very real looking. And, and I've worn it to go pick up uh, takeout several times and no one even oh bats God. an eyelid. I, mean, no one even looks <laughs> I think at, at this it. point, I think at this point, people are just so done yeah. with ridiculous masks, like, you know, with everything, so... I, it does not shock me. You're just it not taking it to that level, Eric. You need to have the the alien actually erupting from your chest. Yes, if I if I fell over on a table and started flopping around, and the alien <laughs> burst from my chest, I think we would. As long as he doesn't jump out and start doing uh, tap dancing. And Hello, jokes. my baby. Hello. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, in a less gaming centric uh, direction, um, applied VR hauled in some cash william you want to talk about that yeah so um just applied vr is a company that's been around for a little while um they were founded looks like back in 2015 um but one of their main things is using vr for pain management um and they just raised 29 million dollars in their series a it looks like uh yeah series a financing for uh to really take a a solid run at trying to get fda approval for pain management um it uses cognitive behavioral therapy so cbt if you're familiar with it but basically you know it's it's a lot of different things but uh what's this is something that it's a concept that's been around for a long time 
Yeah. Um, we're familiar with companies uh, like uh, On Comfort that you know was based here in Houston, uh, as well as you know a few others that are using either distraction techniques or cognitive behavioral techniques to uh, treat pain either during a procedure, after a procedure, um, dealing with like physical therapy with companies like Core, uh, also here in here in Houston. So um, it's just nice to see some you know some headlines being made about what's what's happening on the non-gaming non-entertainment space in the latest you know in the last six, six months so um, the fact they're going after fda approval suggests yeah. that they're you know they're ready very solidly down the path i mean the only other vr treatment i know of that's uh got an fda approval is the the strabismus treatment from um yeah oh, what was the name of the company that did the that did oh, the, the lazy eye correction question. yes but uh, but VR for pain management definitely has a, a long and deep history. It goes back vivid to vivid vision. There you That's go. It. Yeah, vivid vision. Vivid vision. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But FDA approval is tough, tough to get, and so this yes. company, you know, really taking a run at it means that they must have something that that they think can can pass those rigors. We've we've known multiple companies with promising products that that is where they have run aground. They have gotten up to the point of needing FDA approval and. The logistics and the cost of getting past that hurdle are so high that it's just impossible for a lot of companies. So the fact that they're getting uh, funding to, to make that leap is is a really good sign. Yeah. Also notable that it looks like uh, the platform they're using for this is the Pico VR, which we've talked about, um, ah. which, you know, we, we speculated or sort of discussed that that is a more uh, enterprise-friendly headset. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they'll let you do branding and things like that. It looks like, at least in the, the photos on Applied VR's website, is like they have, you know, looks like maybe they have custom-branded headsets. So that would make a lot of sense uh, from a, you know, from a medical provider perspective is they have their own right. branded headsets that they can sell to provider, you know, to, to uh, patients. So that's... The Pico Neo 3 supposedly coming out this next quarter, so maybe that'll kind of tie in. Who knows? Yep. Um, all right. Back into the gaming world. Uh, Rec Room, a, a perennial favorite, is uh, also raking in the cash. Uh, Kevin, you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah. So I just recently saw a article that uh, they have raised about another uh, 100 million at least is what the the article says and they came up with a valuation of 1.25 billion dollars now wow <laughs> uh, yeah really um they saw their revenue grow by 566% over wow. this past year uh makes sense yeah, it, it it certainly surprised me how how much revenue things like this have have been bringing in lately. You know, between things like Fortnite and uh, Call of Duty, Warzone, and you know other other things that have had these little monetizations in them, I just find it almost crazy how much money these things are bringing in. Well, they I mean they're they're tapping into a, a universal truth, which is 
gamers want to invest in games, whether it's individual titles or uh, objects or things that they can own and trade within the titles that they experience, they're, they want to invest in their form of entertainment. And a game like Rec Room has found a part of that equation. And what Sequoia and Index are saying is that they believe that Rec Room is positioned properly and is hitting on a part of that algorithm to provide the vehicle for people to give money for whatever it is that they want to give in Rec Room. Um, and that it will grow because it is a multi-platform experience. Although, interestingly enough, I will say that it's it's becoming less of a VR-driven experience and there's the, the platform is com- almost flooded with... Uh, more what I call pancake media uh, consumers, mm. you know, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Those darn flatters. Right. <laughs> Even so, they said that they, I think it was back in January, they said they crossed the 1 million monthly active VR user threshold. So, I mean, they're they're building a large base within the VR community. Which... Yeah, I think, I think they said they have over 15 million uh, lifetime wow. users. Wow. Dang. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know, Josh. I'm not. I'm not sold on this whole gamers want to invest in their games. The seven totes I'm looking at, full of video games from <laughs> PlayStation Two onward, just don't seem to line up with that theory. Uh, yeah, clearly, you need but, to invest you know, more. Okay. Right. Clearly. You know that I can't remember if it's Rec Room or VR Chat, but I remember hearing one of them was actually kind of uh, kicking around the idea of being able to get real money for user-created content. I want to say it was Rec Room. Yeah, yeah, I think they're angling for, for that as well. Um, yeah. And the, the, the other thing you want to consider is, is the emergence of uh, NFTs and, and blockchain-based items, right? Like This yeah. is all positioned really well to create a market for goods that might not even continue to ex- persist inside the platform it was created in. And once you get that interoperability of the items, when you can take an asset out of Rec Room and have it in some other experience, and it's tied to you, its ownership with you is, is certifiable and verifiable, and any other copies don't count and can be removed as duplicates from anti-cheating systems and all that kind of stuff. Once that exists, like the marketplace for digital goods is going to flip and explode. Yeah. You know, digital trading card games. I, I, like I'm that. definitely feeling kind of that kind of uh, ready player one vibe <laughs> from it. You know, like these very, very unique items kind of coming yeah. up and coming around. Yeah. That or uh, snow crash, you know, your digital real estate, right. things like that. So, so that there's a couple of problems to be solved in the blockchain side of things, but they're not unsolvable. And we're yeah. really close to a point where assets could be traded in that way. And Rec Room has definitely been one of those core components of the growth of the industry in this phase or iteration of, of the XR industry writ large. Um, so it's already kind of a, a touchstone for a lot of people. So it would... It 
seems like a clear solution for that growth pattern. If you're someone that's looking to invest a large amount of money, you need to be looking at the, the long-term strategy and where that money is going to come back and how long it's going to take to come back to you. Clearly, they're not yeah. um, looking that the iteration of Rec Room as it is is going to return $100 million to them within this year. They see the growth pattern and how its value can absolutely skyrocket with this convergence of all these technologies and that they were birthed in a emerging technology like VR and that they're ready and poised to continue to iterate with the growing trends. Yeah. I mean, there are investors who are following along with things like this kind of in the same way they were with Amazon. Right. Um, there's a documentary out right now talking about, or they're working on, I think, and it talks about the early days of Amazon and investments and how Amazon was losing money hand over fist year after year. But investors still just kept pouring money into it and Wall Street still just kept buying into it because they saw what it would be in the next several years. And now Amazon's gone from, you know, an online bookstore to the juggernaut that it is. So, right. you know, obviously getting in on the ground floor of something is, is definitely to their benefit. But jumping over, uh, so Kevin, I know you had want, you were talking about this before, but PSVR 2 controllers <laughs> look a heck of a lot better than these crappy PS Move controllers. I oh my got box I love right the here. ice cream cones. You, you back <laughs> off. The ice cream cones? They're not even ice cream cones. They're like... They're multicolored they're like, ice cream cones. I don't even know how to describe it as any other thing. It's It looks like... They look like giant markers. Like 90s mocap markers like little golf balls you stick on there like ping pong balls it's literally the feel looks like a ping pong ball on top of a wand so i don't i don't know about that if it at least looked like an ice cream cone maybe that'd be cooler but but the ones that uh that that we saw patents of or not patents but uh you know renders of look pretty cool well yeah and and actually kind of speaking of patents uh there were uh, or there was a patent kind of showing off uh, some possible new uh, VR controllers by Sony. Uh, oh man, maybe about a year and a half ago now. Yeah, I'm guessing. Uh, very, very basic looking, and certainly nowhere anything near like what these uh, latest pictures have have shown. Um, yeah. The the ones in the patents were basically just rectangles with some buttons on the on the top of them and some buttons for your fingers and and that was pretty much it. I guess they had maybe a bit of a slight kind of uh tilt to them so they might kind of fit in the hand a little bit better but they were very very basic. Uh but these new ones they are very reminiscent of Oculus controllers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I do like how the the ring what which most likely is going to be the tracking ring how it's actually positioned back kind of along the wrist and it actually goes all the way around the wrist. Yeah. So instead of the original Oculus controllers that had the ring on the bottom half right of it and then the other way was whenever the Quest and the Rift S came out, 
they basically just flipped it up. And so now it was only on the top half of it. So now the new PSVR 2 controllers, the, the rings are kind of back at the wrist and they go all the way around the wrist. Another thing with that that I kind of noticed is the way the rings themselves are kind of angled. It it doesn't really leave any room, at least to me, to be tracked by outside looking in cameras. The the angle is basically the the angle of those rings is pretty much up where your head is going to be. So the the best conclusion out of that is that it's going to be inside out cameras on the new headset. Yeah. And, almost certainly. You know, and and they they haven't said anything about the new headset besides that <laughs> yes, they are working on it and no, it's not coming out in 2021. Those are yeah, the only two things they've said. About it's interesting. Headset. You get very different philosophies on leaks from different companies, whereas Apple seems like they're going to slit the throat of everyone that releases everything before, you know, anything before they do their big stage announcement. Uh, Sony, you know, has been, it's, this is for this huge open secret that, you know, well, it's coming. We're not going to announce it. We're not going to you know, have a date or a price point, but here's the controllers for it. You know, it's like they're just sort of chucking right. stuff over the fence. Well, yeah, you know, sure. you also have HTC coming out with a uh, facial tracking and uh, a new puck tracker when we right. haven't seen a new headset from them. Yeah, we but talked it, about that a little yeah. bit in the last the last episode. Uh, and I know they've they've hit a few reviewers yet, but I don't think they're actually shipping yet. I'm excited about the facial tracking, but I think until it's like first it's like integrated in headsets as opposed to aftermarket, there's probably not going to be big support outside of uh like the VR chat type applications yeah well with OpenXR that they're supporting uh which by the way apparently sony is getting behind open xr as well right. even though they don't really have anything for it yeah uh, they're a they're... supporter of it but they haven't actually stepped up and done it yeah but so my, my point with that is though that you know with with OpenXR, someone can build those right. those implementation features out for tools to people to use, and then they can just stick them in for OpenXR to well, to, to read I, off of. At the very least, you could build cross-platform capable titles in in major engines, right? You'll be able to use Unity or Unreal to be like deploy to these different exactly. things you'll always have right. to do tweaks and things to make them really shine but yeah yeah right. of course yeah but it would dramatically each... simplify development yes. yeah, yeah e each platform is going to need part. their own yeah no between you know open xr and the fact that it, it seems like the industry is coalescing around a sort of a semi-standard layout kind of based on the touch uh, i think devs are going to have an easier time of it in the next year or two which I'm happy about. It got mentioned in some of the articles about the the new uh, PSVR 2 controllers that the triggers are DualSense style. As someone who's not really a part of the, the Sony uh, ecosystem, can somebody fill me in on exactly what that means? Uh, well, yeah. So in their new controllers that th they used to be called the, the DualShock, uh, yeah. but now 
it, it's now called the dual sense whereas yeah. the the dual shock used to just have those rumble motors in mm -hmm. inside the handles uh they actually have little servos hooked up to the two main uh trigger buttons on the top of the controllers now so yeah. you actually have a basically a, a like a force feedback from steering wheels okay you basically have a force feedback implemented into the controller on those those controllers yeah. now or on those those triggers those buttons yeah. uh, so, like, so just fancy naming conventions for for sony like the 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 original dual shock design was the playstation 2 controllers that had rumble to them mm -hmm. and then so that was the dual shock 2 and then you had dual shock 3 and then you had dual shock 4 and that was all the original playstation 2 3 and 4 and then when they went to five, they went with dual sense because it's more, uh, it's more immersive, uh, haptic feedback design and, and you know adaptive triggers. And so, what Kevin's getting at is that these triggers and these controllers utilize that same technology from the new PS5 controllers. Right. If they've so, got servos in the triggers, does that mean they can adjust the resistance as you're pressing pressing in? Yes, exactly. So, idea. so say if the, one of the examples that they usually give is, say you're playing a game where you have to draw back a bow, you know, to gotcha. shoot an arrow. The more you press down on that trigger, the harder it'll get. And right. they can actually do things like they can lock a trigger, so it'll only go in so far right uh as well and and they can also uh pull it in as well so oh wow what one of the things they say is like if your character is walking on like ice or something and your character starts to slip then they can pull those triggers in you know to kind of make it <laughs> g give you that sensation of like you're you're losing control oh, you know no. type stuff i imagine uh, it does feel like that's got cool possibilities in vr I imagine a couple people, a couple few people are going to break their controllers trying to overpower that. Oh, guarantee it. Yeah. So. No, that's yeah. definitely going to happen. There, uh, I, I want to say I remember seeing a YouTube video where someone got a hold of a controller and opened it up to kind of look at the inside, specifically to look at how rugged that system was. And it seemed yeah. to be pretty pretty decent it was still made out of plastic and everything but it seems like if if it locked it out then you'd have to add quite a bit of force into it in order to, to do anything do yeah most likely someone out there or they're just gonna it, throw it but... at the wall yeah <laughs> right it's the more likely thing so there's also some talk of a, a degree of of finger tracking in this right is that, is that so correct? There, there's also some old video out there. Some Sony research scientists are were messing with. Uh, it was really weird. They they basically had this little makeshift controller that was strapped to their hand, and they were using machine learning to to uh, get. A, a sense of you know so the the computer would would say okay put your hand in this kind of position you know say maybe your bottom two fingers curled in and your 
top two fingers out, maybe like a peace sign and your thumb up. And the sensors in this controller would read how your hand was on the controller. So that way it could learn from that and all those different combinations. So that way you could just reverse engineer that. And whenever you had your hand in these different positions, then it would be better able to guess that really what how or how you were holding your hand. I, I think this might be a ace up their sleeve that they're gonna they're gonna come out with is is this really whole hand tracking is is what they were going for the or hand position kind of tracking with with fingers. So yeah, that's definitely a possibility. That would be exciting. So I mean, I I do love the finger tracking on the index controllers, but because very essentially no titles are specifically built for the index and essentially no one else has that, uh, support has been very minimal for it. Uh, but if every PlayStation VR two controller has that, then you can guarantee that titles are going to take advantage of that. And that would be really, really, that is the advantage of first party hardware and, you know, partner developers, Yes. are more likely to integrate those things like you know that is the one thing that sony and psvr has going for it is if they implement some sort of well i can't say that because you do have the thing like what was the psvr aim controller that they came out with that was the the rifle style controller that was mm-hmm. specifically for psvr and i think like four things use it right um they, they historically do not necessarily have the greatest adoption of additional third party or not third party um, additional accessories. However, when they integrate something into a, uh, a platform, it is at least somewhat well integrated. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're like the, the motion functions of, the DualShock 4 controllers were used sparingly, but by a few games, things like that, um, to to good effect on several games. But uh, you know, if they actually integrated some of those features into the controllers right out of the gate, you'd see those third-party developers who are being paid by Sony or otherwise integrating some of those features into their platforms, which would actually be nice because then it would trickle down as they release them to other platforms, they're more likely to support something like the index controllers. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And that is exciting. Is there anything else we know about these controllers? Uh, it looks like the the only thing that I can remember is uh, it looks like they'll have a possibly a USB-C port huh. on there. Uh, so nice. I'm guessing internal battery that you can't remove, which I, I guess really... You wouldn't really expect anything else from them, you know. That's probably not. That's yeah. pretty standard for uh, console controllers now. I've gotten so. a little spoiled by the touch controllers. The fact that you know you can swap out batteries and be back up and going instantly. And if you want rechargeables, you just throw rechargeables in it. But uh, I mean, that's historically not at all how it's been done. <laughs> so yeah, and you know, non-removable and... batteries are par for the course at this point for for right. Sony. Yeah. yeah, they Although, haven't had removable battery packs in controllers ever. Um, well, the they, they have the, uh, the Xbox 360 had. 
Well, Xbox before. did, yes, but I mean Sony does. Oh, they, oh yes, yes. My all the way back, yeah. like as long as they've had battery-powered controllers, which is the PS3 was the introduction of that, they have never had a removable battery in any of their mm-hmm. controllers, PS Move included. So it's kind of par for the course for them. I don't expect a removable battery pack from them. Although it does have me a little worried, though, in that regards, specifically for the uh, for these new VR controllers. Yeah. Because the, people have seen that, yeah, the those extra servos in the dual sense, you know, definitely takes takes a toll on the battery as well you know whenever they're getting when when they're getting used uh so if if these new controllers have that along with those extra well as far as we can tell they're gonna have lights inside of them for the tracking Mm -hmm. um so with all that combined in there uh it's it's got me a little concerned at the life of these but you know maybe maybe they have some new uh style battery that they're gonna do or maybe they'll find a way to put a bigger battery inside of it or something but maybe i guess we'll just have to see fair enough speaking of uh index controllers yes uh does anybody have a spare pair because i just picked up this sweet deal uh half-life alex is on sale for 40 percent off which is what i was waiting on personally um <laughs> because i'm about to be a new father and have no time to play video games right. but eventually i plan on playing half-life alex and when i do i would like to play it in its full glory which requires index controllers so that's a good point i may that's need to point. uh hit up some some vr friends to borrow a pair uh, dust yeah, that... off the old Vive. I wonder, can you play? Can you play using the Rift S and Index controllers if you have? Uh... Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Sweet. There's there's a lot of people that prefer the Index. Or controllers. well, yeah. So I just didn't know if you could you could mix ecosystems that way. Yeah, mix yeah. ecosystems like that. But okay, cool. I may have to see if I can do that. I've got a set of. Uh, 2.0 base stations so i can i can get those hooked up uh that'd be cool place. now that's the, really the deepest discount in. we've seen on on half oh yeah Alex, for sure right by, yeah i buy a lot i think the the most if ever there was a discount was like 10 percent on one of the right. previous steam sales so 40 percent off is is a killer deal it puts it at like 35 dollars um which is normally 60 so definitely worth it it's on sale because um, they Got game of the year at South by Southwest. Sweet. Oh yeah, and then uh, <clears throat> they they were asked, "Is there you know Half Life has a long history of never getting to number three, but uh, <laughs> they also have a long history of doing like chapters." So someone had asked, uh, "You know, is there going to be a Half Life Alex chapter two? Um, and while the the official answer is not, quote, hot on the heels of this one. Uh, they're excited to continue the story. So awesome. I wouldn't expect it anytime soon, but uh, it does seem like that that doorway is open. It would only be Half-Life Alex 2 or Chapter 2, so we don't have to worry about the dreaded Valve uh, <laughs> dying on the vine situation. So Right. 
maybe that's how we get our continuation in the Half-Life universe is they just come up with now it's Half-Life Gordon and then Half-Life <laughs> right. Right, right. I don't know what's the name of the 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 robot you know dog yeah, there, dog there you go you should get all of those Half-Life dog um so. well and there is oh what was it maybe about two two years ago now there is actual video of Gabe Newell saying that they were working, the Valve studio was working on a total of three different yes, VR games. That for yes, a while. they did say that for a while. Uh, and at least right off the top of my head, so far that I can remember, they've only come out with Alex. So yep. they've well, got. I think there was. They've some got talk two more. That- well, I think there was some talk later that that some of those teams kind of got subsumed into the the Alex uh, team, but they they did in a, a making of documentary on on Alex say that they had some super secret other project that was going on. So I guess we'll have to see. Well, it's a good thing it's Valve. It's a good thing they've <laughs> got a huge bankroll and yes, they've got they the talent have. and the foresight to and just the, make good games and the patience of all the gamers on the planet <laughs> willing to allow them to you know wait forever yeah. there know, is between, certainly between pushing between valve their luck. and blizzard apparently they've just got all the goodwill they could need oh, uh, uh yeah <laughs> but, but, but blizzard or well activision may not have much activision good no luck. yeah <laughs> well, however i mean if people are willing to put up with as much posturing as blizzard does regarding like the diablo franchise on whether or not they're going to release something and then find out that it's going to be a remake of diablo 2 you know yeah gamers are apparently willing to put up with it and pay for it so yeah well have have you heard i'm not saying it's a good relationship i'm just saying it's a relationship that still exists well and then there's there's some news that came out of Activision Blizzard not too long ago. Oh, how many people did they end oh, up laying yeah. off? Oh, yeah, that was the 900? layoffs back in, back no. in 2020? No, this is this is recent. Oh, another round of layoffs? Yes, and it, it, went, it went from something like they were saying it was only going to be like 50 people, and then all of a sudden it just skyrocketed. I... I can't quite remember the n- number off the top of my head. I I want to say it was 900 people though. Dear God. Yeah. That they let well, go. Honestly though, that's par for the course with Blizzard. Um they're they're notoriously bad about that, so. Well, yeah, and then here's the other side of that. The uh the CEO is now about to get a two hundred million dollar bonus. Yeah, yeah. Heard about a- a- apparently, there was some, and the stakeholders like, are real upset about it. Well, I don't think so necessarily it, because that's as yeah. Uh, th- that's essentially how he's really, getting his bonus. Well, no, in a way. I, so the story, as I understood it from what I read, was the CEO is getting a two hundred dollar, two hundred million dollar payout due to a loophole that basically circumvents the direct so it basically he gets his payout before the stakeholders get theirs and so they were apparently not too thrilled about this and you can go you can google uh i believe it's activision 
uh, okay. CEO uh, bonus or something like this um, to read more details about it. But yeah, I, I had seen that article and it's apparently an exploitation of a loophole uh, that people were kind of not ups, not uh, not too thrilled about. That, that, that may be the case, or maybe it's this essentially the same thing, but uh, at least what I gathered from it. Yeah, investors angry as Activision Blizzard's CEO, what is it, Bobby Kotick, will receive a $200 million bonus. Yeah. So, yeah, the investors and investment groups who have been putting money into Activision Blizzard over the last few years are not too thrilled with uh with them huh, and meanwhile okay. hey at least we'll get a diablo 2 remake sometime in the next three to five years i guess with that i think that's all the vr news we have this week you guys have anything else well i mean we had the south by southwest vr last week but i think we're gonna True. dedicate a good chunk of the upcoming episode to that uh josh you were heavily involved with that right yeah, had a lot of fun. Looking forward to talking about it. Excellent. Well, we will definitely yeah, I think dive that into that. Need its own, its own uh, block of time. So. Absolutely, there were a whole lot of experiences uh, involved with that. So that'll probably be really good because we haven't really had a kind of what we would consider a deep dive on something in a while. Yeah, you know, where we just really we focus on that. one thing. Well, let's do Alrighty. it. All right. Well. Uh, I hope everybody's out there is doing well. If you're doing cool things in VR, please let us know about them. And if you have suggestions or feedback or questions for us, please send them our way. Catch you all later. All right. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Virtually Relevant. If you liked it, please consider rating and reviewing us on your favorite podcast app. It helps bring us up in the charts and makes us easier to find. If you'd like to support Houston VR and this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash Houston VR. Until next time, thanks for listening.